Buenas and half a day to our listeners on Guam and in the CNMI. It's now time for Total Health right here on Joy FM Radio, where your questions get answered by health professionals. If you have any health-related questions, we would love to hear from you. Call your questions and comments in at 472-1111 or text or WhatsApp 686-9999. If you're in the CNMI, please call 323-1113. Welcome everybody to Total Health. Hi, and welcome to Total Health Live. My name is Rose Trina, uh, and I'm here in the studio today with Elena Tanava, and we just want to say thank you, first of all, to all our listeners. Thank you for your patience. We were experiencing technical difficulties a little bit earlier, but uh, we're good to go now. And today's topic is hypertension. Hey, Rosie. Hello. Hello, everyone. Uh, yes, we decided to choose a very common topic. Even though everybody talks about hypertension, you know, I believe there are still many questions to be asked and many, you know, answers to be given when it comes about hypertension. Some of you may say, what's hypertension? Um, I think that's one of the conditions, like the most common ones. We almost know what it is. Of course, hyper means what? High. High, mm-hmm. you, you know, something that was like under pressure. So tension. You know what high tension is. We know what a stressful moment is. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about hypertension. And where does this take place? It takes place in our vessels, right? Mm-hmm. So when we get upset, when we get angry, <laughs> you know, we tend to like constrict our vessels. That becomes like an autonomic way, you know, our nervous system, because it just alarms our bodies like, hey, uh, get up, like uh, figure out, uh, fight or flight. (laughs) You know, you have to react in some way. But what happens that when you're constantly under pressure? What happens when you have this pressure cook constantly under pressure? I feel like eventually something will explode. Uh, Eventually something will explode and it will explode. Fortunately, it explodes in the moments you least expect, Mm-mm. right? And that's why you, you were right. One, t- one day you asked me, is, can we call hypertension a silent killer? Yeah. Well, there are many diagnoses that we can, you know, <laughs> blame them for that. But yes, many patients are telling me, doctor, there is nothing wrong with me. Why are you telling me I have to take a blood pressure medication? Yeah, I've heard that before. Yes, and it's not that we really like our patients to be on medications. We rather not treat them with medications unless we have to. But when things are really getting off control, we know something will explode. You know, the vessels are just like the the hose pipe. If you have a hose pipe and you squeeze it in the middle, what is going to happen? In one place, it's going to you know, mm-hmm. eject. The other one is going to stop. Yeah. And this is exactly what happens with the vessels. If we just squeeze them somewhere for one or another reason, we're going to have some consequences from that. Our body works very, very good. And our bodies can tolerate a lot of abuse <laughs> you know, for, for a very long time. But at some point, our cells and our organs are like, hey... You either live the way we really feel in balance, or if you want to do it your way, then we're giving up on you. And uh, yes, and that applies as well for our vessels, for our heart, for our brain, for our kidneys. So why do we all the time talk about hypertension? Why do we check our patient's blood pressure? You know, Rosie, blood pressure wasn't something that people would check in the past century. They Mm -hmm. didn't even know much about it. 
you know, um, the history is just so fascinating. We are having our latest guideline, I believe it's from 2017, in which we define the different stages of hypertension. Uh, but uh, the history starts even long ago, like 2,600 years before Christ. Can you believe that's that? That's very long, yeah. That, that, that's very long, but like, there are just um, some um, isolated cases uh, in which we, we read in the history, like the Chinese Yellow Emperor. Um, in one of the internal medicine classic books, uh, he suggested that too much salt, is u- if it is used in the blood, the pulse hardens. This mm-hmm. is how they exp- you know, explain it at that time. Yeah. I- I'm surprised they knew what pulse is, you know, so they realized the effect of the soul that <laughs> that it has, you know, on our bodies. Nothing that we just discovered it. Maybe we didn't talk much about it. And so after that, when William Harvey, um, you know, described the circulation in the blood in uh, 1628, made it easier for other uh, scientists to come with different inventions. For example, Stephen Holes in 1733 invented the manometer. And then later on, we have Scopione Rivarocci in 1896 that he invented the sphygmomanometer. But it wasn't until a Russian physician, Korotkov, uh, described how you can actually measure it, that you can use a stethoscope to hear, you know, when the when you put a high pressure, you can hear when the vessel is going to pulsate and when it's going to stop. And it is so fascinating. I really find it so fascinating that it took so many years to figure out that uh, there is uh, some <laughs> important vital sign that we need to measure. And it, you know, it wasn't until even... Um, Franklin Roosevelt, that he had a high blood pressure, that it became very popular, that we need to take care of the blood pressure. And his blood pressure was like uh, uh, 188 over 105 for many, many years. And he made it, he realized that there is something wrong with him. And he started, you know, um, he had at that time the best doctors. And they would start recording that, following him on that. And he made it so public that nowadays everybody's getting their blood pressure check. <laughs> and so I just uh, got Dr. Bryson uh, here with us. I'm not going to be the main speaker. Uh, we have Dr. Bryson. We are very privileged to have you today with us. Thank you. <laughs> and we are going to tackle this important subject that we rarely talk about that, but everybody has so many questions about it. Yes, and while you're on the topic of Franklin Roosevelt, it's kind of interesting that he had one doctor for many years that never paid attention to his blood pressure or the fact that he smoked heavily or the fact that he ate a pretty bad diet. Um, maybe not intentionally. There weren't the greatest cooks in the White House, if you would believe that. And and it took a while for they finally got a young doctor who was from one of the more famous universities who was a cardiologist to check him out and say, you know what? He's in congestive heart failure from his high blood pressure. If we don't fix him, the country could be in big trouble. So it was a very interesting story there. And that's a big problem with blood pressure. People don't realize that they have trouble with it many times for years. They say, but I feel fine, doc. Why do you want to give me this medication? And why do you want to give me two or three for my blood pressure? Or four (laughs) or five in some awful cases, but that does happen. And that's why we call blood pressure the silent killer or one of the silent killers, right? So, um, 
so anyway, we have a lot of things we could talk about with blood pressure. I'm just going to go over some of the basics. Sound like you kind of started out a little bit. Um, but one of the ways I'd like to pay people to think about why do people have high blood pressure? A lot of people call it high blood. Uh, <laughs> that's just an abbreviation. You know, I think people realize that. But what's happening in the body You've got these wonderful blood vessels everywhere. You've got millions of blood vessels, okay? And the blood vessels particularly supply your important organs like your heart and your uh, your lungs, your, your brain, your kidneys especially. All the blood has to run through the kidneys to filter constantly. So they have all these little tiny blood vessels. Now just imagine, you know you probably have all seen some pipes that get kind of corroded and get kind of blocked a little bit. But just imagine if you had millions and millions of pipes and all of them just got a little bit of blockage in them, just a little bit. Well, you probably would have some pressure issues with your water, wouldn't you? It's the same thing in the body. When your body has, when your blood vessels, all those thousands of them get a little bit of disease in them, they start getting a little bit narrow, or maybe just a few of them get narrow, but they're scattered around the body, your pressure, your body's going to have to put out more pressure to get the blood to flow through the narrower vessels. Does that kind of make sense? Absolutely. So when that happens... That causes all sorts of diseases. And the problem really isn't because the pressure is high, although that can be an issue. The problem is that you've got disease in all the blood vessels, or many of the blood vessels have disease. And what causes that disease? Pressure from inside, pressure from outside. And the question is, why does that happen? Well, one of the biggest reasons is our lifestyle and what we do with our bodies. Um, What we eat, what we smoke, what we take in can make a big difference to damaging those blood vessels over time. It doesn't happen all at once. So you start out when you're two or three years old and you have these beautiful, clean arteries. And as you get older, you start putting these little plaques down. And those plaques are really there there to kind of help They kind of help to repair. So you get a little irritation. Maybe you're eating some food that's not so good for your blood vessel, and it causes a little tear in the surface of the lining of your blood vessel. The plaques come in to try to repair that, and the cholesterol plaques kind of build up there to kind of patch it up. But in the process, you start narrowing the vessel. When you get thousands of vessels that are narrowed, you start having some problems. And so the underlying disease is really the lifestyle, and that creates the pressure. So exactly. So what is the first line treatment? Usually for every disease, we have a first line, second line. And the first line treatment is what? Well, first of all, we don't even treat, we prevent, right? So we would love to prevent. And that's even before treatment. And that would be to change some of the factors in our life that could cause the problem. Um, Now, but before I say that, let me talk about what happens when that pressure really builds up. Everybody knows that high blood pressure, well, maybe most people know it's related to stroke. So when people have stroke, say they often think about, oh, my blood pressure must have been high. And that's true. Um, But what's happening there is those narrowing of the vessels sometimes cause a little blockage, a little a little um, clot, a little blood clot will get kind of break off from a lesion on a blood vessel and it will f- kind of go through until it finds a narrow spot and it will block that narrow spot. And that ha- if that happens to be a blood vessel that supplies the brain, then that part of your brain won't work anymore. And it's nothing you can do to bring it back. It's gone. Okay. It might just be a small part or it might be a large part. Um, same thing happens with heart attacks. People get a little clot that kind of moves out. And because there's already narrowing in there, they get, they get some problems. But the other reason that blood pressure can cause a stroke is it can also cause bleeding in the brain because of the high pressures. So that is a challenge. 
people don't realize too, though, that their heart may not get, you might not get a heart attack, but you might end up with congestive heart failure. Um, over years and years of having this high pressure and your heart has to pump harder, it gets bigger, it changes its shape, and it's no longer efficient at pumping. It doesn't, you need the right shape and size of the heart to get a good push with the pump. When the pump starts getting too big, uh, it might be strong, but it's not do, push, doing pushing the right way, and you don't get the right kind of pressure to get things to move through properly. And then your heart, we call that heart failure because your heart's not as efficient as making that blood move throughout the entire body. And it, it has to move. Otherwise, we don't have enough oxygen to feed our tissues, right? So these are all the challenges with why we're concerned about blood pressure. Yeah, so if you come to the clinic and the doctor tells you, hey, we, I'm concerned about your blood pressure, something needs to change. And usually that change starts from you. We cannot do that for you. It, uh, you know, it's like some lifestyle modification. We will give you some guidelines, but it does require some work and it does require change. If you have always done the things you are doing, you're going to have the same result. But in order to reverse that result, you have to start doing things you've never done before. So can you guess what are the two biggest causes of high blood pressure? So I know that like overweight mm -hmm. is one of them. Is actually number one. Now, I would have thought some other things, but being obese is actually the number one cause in North America of high blood pressure. And if you lose a significant amount of weight, you can bring that blood pressure down significantly. Right. Right. That's the first line. Yeah. yeah. And probably the second one, although I don't have complete evidence that it's totally, but I'm pretty sure it is, is, the, is tobacco. Tobacco doesn't just make the blood pressure go up because of the damage to the blood vessels and the blockage. What it actually does, tobacco actually narrows your blood vessel. When you smoke, all of your blood vessels kind of tighten up a little bit. The cool thing is your blood vessels, I call them the living highways. They're kind of like highways that carry things from place to place, but they're alive. And so they can actually get smaller or bigger. So the, the, the little... The little passageway in the middle of the vessel, it depends on how tight that vessel is. If it's really tight, there's not much passageway. If it's really big, then you've got a lot of room for the blood to flow through and the flow will be terrific, okay? So when you smoke, the nicotine actually causes that blood vessel to contract and the opening in the middle gets smaller and it's harder for that blood to get through. Um, and that happens on a regular basis when you smoke. Yes, many people don't know, Dr. Bryson, but uh, um, smoking has serious consequences. It's not like, hey, I'm going to die from something one day. Let me have pleasure from it. Um, for example, my father, we had to amputate his legs Ooh. because of smoking. You know, this constant narrowing of the arteries on the feet. He wasn't diabetic. It was just primarily because he did not stop smoking. Yeah. And it's a very high price to pay. People are not aware of that. And, you know, you can't just play with fire and not get burned at some point. You can't be consuming um, smoking, like uh, cigarettes, and expect that it's just going to bypass you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So these are the two biggest. So there are a lot of other things that can cause high blood pressure. Um, and like you say, there are a lot of other damages that go along with the diseases that go along with high blood pressure. So if I see someone with high blood pressure, I kind of expect they're going to have some other problems in the near future. Exactly. It might be the heart. It might be the legs, like you mentioned. It might be the same thing with diabetes. Diabetes is the same way. We can say, okay, in a few years, you're going to have some problems if we don't control this. So how are we going to control this? The first question is, what should your blood pressure be? Um, there's a top number and a bottom number, okay? There's big words for that. A systolic blood pressure is your top number, and the b number at the bottom is your diastolic blood pressure. But you don't really have to know that. What really matters is what number you should be at. 
And we used to think, like, I looked at my slides. I have some old slides, and I look back from 14 years ago, and I'm like, oh, that has changed. We used to say that your blood pressure should be 120 over 80, right? And we said, well, that from then on up, from 120 over 80 and on up, you have a slightly increasing risk of of heart attacks and strokes, depending on how high it goes. So for every increment above that, it keeps going up kind of in a linear fashion, kind of in a line. But the new guidelines now, the evidence is, is that your blood pressure should be 110 over 70 70 or lower. And don't worry about low blood pressure. In most cases, you really don't have to worry about that. If you're an athlete, you can run around at 90 over 60 and you're probably just fine. Okay. But um, but 110 over 70 is our goal. Okay. Um, So that's what I call optimal. If I get somebody who's got a high blood pressure to 120 over 80, I kind of give a sigh of relief, but it's still not where we really want it yet, okay? So that's our goal, 110 over 70. So how are we going to get there? And there's a lot of things we can go through on that. Right, and we do have different stages of hypertension. You know, um, anything above 120 to 129, we will consider elevated. Mm -hmm. From 130 to 139, this I'm talking about the systolic blood pressure, the upper number. We have a high blood pressure, hypertension stage one, Above 140, uh, we call it stage two until like 180 millimeter of mercury. We call it a hypertensive crisis. Well, it depends, actually. We don't always call that number a hypertensive crisis. And here's why. We can say it's a hypertensive urgency. So the difference is between this two isn't the number so much. The thing about numbers is a little bit misleading. Exactly. Uh, we do know that you need to have your blood pressure down to 110 over 70 to avoid all these problems that we're talking about. However, if you get up to 180, one person can get up to 180 with their top number, and another person can get up to 210, and another person can get up to 240, and they may all be about the same state and may not have any bad effects immediately. They're going to have trouble in the long run, but not immediately. Why is that? Well, our bodies do have some ability to adapt to bad situations. This is the way God made us. And it's wonderful that we can adapt. I'm not saying you should run around outside with a 240 blood pressure and not do anything about it. But what I'm saying is unless it's already started to damage your organs, we don't call it an emergency yet. We don't call it a crisis yet. Okay. We do... So when you come to see the doctor, if you're up that high, we might say, okay, I'm going to give you some blood pressure medicine and you're going to go home and you have one to two days for that medicine, for that blood pressure to come down. But I want to see you back tomorrow. But if I have somebody come into my clinic, as I did a number of years ago, who can't breathe very well and their heart's going really fast, I know that they have some damage to their heart from that blood pressure being so high. And I know that that is a hypertensive emergency. And in that case, off they go to the ER and we get to work and bring that down very quickly. Okay, and we don't wait a day or two. Right. So there's different ways of treating it. But having said that, we don't even want it to be there if we're not having any suffering or any problems. Right. We need it to be down so that we don't have problems in the future. We don't want those strokes, those heart attacks, the heart failure. Hypertension is serious, but we'll talk more about it after the break. So that's been Total Health Live. Don't go anywhere. We still have about 30 minutes left of today's show. Uh, We're talking about high blood pressure today. And if you have a question about high blood pressure, you can go ahead and call it in. If you're calling from Guam, call us at 671-472-1111. That's 671-472-1111. 
from the CNMI, call us at 670-323-1113. That's 670-323-1113. Uh, you can also send us a message via text, via WhatsApp, via Signal at 671-686-9999. That's 671-686-9999. It's free from the CNMI. And if you're tuned in on Facebook, go ahead and leave your questions or comments in the comment section below and we'll get back to you. Uh, you can also leave it on Messenger. Send us a message. Don't go anywhere. Total Health Live will be right back. I am saved by grace through faith. I am the salt of the earth. I am a child of God. I am walking by faith and not by sight. I am a slave of righteousness. I am a holy partaker of a heavenly calling. I am not moved by what I see. I am walking by faith and not by sight. I am an expression of the life of Christ. I am chosen of God, holy and beloved. I am free from condemnation. I am Christ's friend. I am blessed with all spiritual blessings. I am dead to sin, but alive unto righteousness. I am casting all my cares on Jesus. I am a son of God and one in Christ. I am firmly rooted, built up, established in my faith. I am a saint. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Joy FM, helping you discover who you are in Christ. Joy FM, family-friendly radio. JoyFMRadio.net. This is another word made fresh on Joy FM, Luke 10, 29. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? We send a card to a coworker when they're sick. We send up a prayer when an acquaintance loses their home. We breathe a sigh of relief. It isn't us. A normal response. But is it enough? Do we look the other way when we see or hear a domestic disturbance? Do we pass the scene of an accident, certain that someone else already made a call? Do we care how many people stand in line at the soup kitchen? Do we know the names of the people that live next door? One man asked Jesus to define neighbor because he wanted to believe he had done enough. Jesus gave no restrictions. Everyone we come in contact with is our neighbor. We are commanded to love our neighbor. No looking away. No prayer without action. No restrictions. No. Jesus agreed that the one who has mercy is a good neighbor. Who is your neighbor? Joy FM, family-friendly radio, joyfmradio.net. Welcome back. You're listening to Total Health on Joy FM. Call in with your health-related questions to 472-1111 in Guam. If you live in the CNMI, we want to hear from you too. Call 323-1113 or text or WhatsApp us at 686-9999. And now, here's more Total Health. Hi and welcome back to Total Health Live. My name is Rose Trina and I'm in the studio today with Dr. Julie Bryson and Elena Tanova, nurse practitioner. And we're talking about hypertension. And I believe right before the break, we were actually talking about the effects of, um, I guess, having high blood pressure for an extended period of time, right? Yes, we realize it is really bad. And I was just wondering, when we lose the control of our blood pressure, 
what do we do, Dr. Bryson? Do we just start medication? Do medications fix actually the problem? They actually do help quite a bit. Um, sometimes it takes more than others. Sometimes it takes some work to get that blood pressure down. And I want to spend a lot of time talking about the things we can do that are what people might term natural. But I do want to say a few things about the blood pressure medications just because we had a question. Um, one of the things that I don't like to do, and I see this a lot in the clinic, and that is patients come in and they'll say, you know, I really want to try to get my blood pressure down without pills. I'm like, that's cool. I like that idea. That's great. So they wait three months, and then the next time they come see a doctor, there's something else going on, and the blood pressure doesn't get talked about. And I often, because I don't work here all the time, I come and go, I often see someone, and it's been three years since they had that conversation, and they've had high blood pressure the whole time, and they maybe made a few changes, but their blood pressure never went down. And during that time, there's damage going on. So uh, they're increasing their risk all the time as that blood pressure stays up. So what I like to do is I like to say, yeah, let's give it a few months. Let's try it if it's not too high. Let's try to see what you can do and then keep right on it and say, okay, you know what? Time's up. Let's get some medicine started. And you continue to try to make changes. At the same time, you take a medicine. And then eventually, if you've made big changes, we'll see if we can get you off the medication. I think that's a reasonable approach um, because we don't want to leave it for a long time. We always, as human beings, think we're going to do more than we do. We're, always, we're all like that. We all think, oh, I'm going to do all these things today, and it never quite works out the way we think it will. Um, so, yes, I love the lifestyle thing, but taking medications is something that is a part of treating blood pressure, but, and, it can act, and we know different people will take different medicines for different reasons. There are times where it takes literally three or four and maybe even five medicines to bring a blood pressure down, unfortunately. Um, we, we try never to go there right away. We start out slow and we build up. One of the things that a lot of people don't understand is that the way medications work, there's now evidence that if you use a couple different medications at lower doses, it might work better than using one medication at a high dose. Now, people don't like having different pills, and I understand. I don't either. But sometimes it's a good idea to kind of hit that blood pressure from different angles so that you're getting a couple pills. And, you, and the good thing if you don't have them on high doses is you're a little less likely to get side effects with them, too. So sometimes you may find your doctor says, you know what, I started you on this pill, but rather than go up on it right now, I want to start this one, too. Um, these are all ways that we deal with blood pressure in the clinic, in the medical setting. And while you're doing that, well, then we really, really, really want you to think about some things you can do to bring that blood pressure down. Um, we've already mentioned obesity and we've mentioned tobacco. But I have learned from lots of experience and lots of discouraged patients that obesity is something that can be really hard to overcome. It, it can be done. Sometimes, though, you have to focus on some other things, and the obesity kind of follows in line. You actually lose some weight. Um, also, the tobacco cessation, I think that's probably really number one, but I do know for a lot of people that they have to go through several stages in their minds to kind of get to the point where they're willing to do that. So we have some other things we're also going to talk about to help blood pressure, but those are the biggest ones. Yeah. Right. Um, so many patients are saying, I just want to treat myself naturally without medications. But then, you know, if you don't change your lifestyle, it's not going to come back. You know, we want the natural way. But like, have we changed our diet? Have we started doing exercise? If 10 people, like if nine people out of 10 exercise, they will not be on blood pressure medication, right? Or like, uh, unless there is an organic reason for that. Um, 
So it does require some effort there to keep ourselves being healthy. And some of the things we're going to talk about give you a big bang for your buck, okay? Quitting smoking makes a huge difference in your blood pressure. Whereas for some people, going out for a walk does help, but doesn't solve the problem. It's still good. Don't get me wrong. It's really good, but it may not have as big of a drop in your blood pressure as, say, Quitting smoking, okay? Um, and we've got, I've got some fun things here that help blood pressure as well, which you're going to kind of enjoy. But I'll go through the main ones first, okay? I think most people are, they probably have heard about, and you mentioned increasing activity. Even if you're not overweight, by the way, increasing activity will help your blood pressure. Getting an active lifestyle and doing it on a regular basis will bring that blood pressure down to some degree, and it is really worth doing it. So I don't want to make it sound like it's not worth it. It's just that quitting smoking does, gives you so much more, okay? But <laughs> activity is, is like number three on my list right now, okay? Um, that's below stop smoking and losing weight, okay? But the next one down is the, the salt in the diet. People think a lot about the salt in the diet, okay? And that does make some difference if you can get that salt level down, and I'm going to go over a few things about that shortly. Decreasing alcohol or cutting it out altogether can make a difference. For some people, alcohol is part of the problem. And for some people, caffeine is part of the problem. Not everybody, but but I think in Guam, I see more of that than I do in other places I've worked. Um, and then diet. We're going to talk a little about diet. Those are the biggies, but there's some other ones that are kind of fun and a little bit smaller, okay? Okay, so, I'm curious. So um, let's, let's stick, let's, we've kind of talked about the activity a little bit, getting out there, getting active, doing some activity that's not going to harm you on a daily basis, swimming, walking, Zumba, whatever it is, dancing, whatever you like to do that keeps you a little more active but doesn't hurt you. Some people have joint problems. They have to be careful. Water aerobics is a really good one if you can find the water. That's a good thing. Oh, Unfortunately, in Guam, we have plenty. Yeah. <laughs> So um, the the blood pressure can be lowered about 4 to 12 points or 4 to 12 millimeters mercury when you exercise. And another thing that people, a lot of people come into the clinic and say, oh, doc, I just, I just came out from the parking lot. So that's why my blood pressure is high. Well, well, it's true that your blood pressure can initially rise when you exercise. But in general, blood pressure usually goes down during the duration of your exercise and becomes lower. So I'm, I never give them that excuse. <laughs> salt, though, let's talk about the salt. So in order to get rid of salt, the kidney has to make chemical adjustments. And those chemical adjustments alone can bring your blood pressure up. And so we want to have a little less salt. How much? Well, this is kind of challenging. Um, oh, and by the way, people who don't eat a lot of salt, who have hardly any in their diet from different cultural groups, really don't have much hypertension. It's kind of interesting. Of course, those people groups also tend to be on a better diet too because they're away from, they're not reach, they're not getting Western food. All Western food has salt in it. So they have other things going for them as well and usually they're more active. But that does seem to make a difference. Um, how much salt are we allowed? How much should we get? Well, the average American eats, now I don't know if this is still true. This was 10 years ago, four grams of salt a day. It might be higher now because the funny thing about salt is the more you eat it, the more you want it. But the less you eat it eventually, so for example, if you were to stop eating salt for about three weeks, your taste buds would change. And when you ate something that was even a little bit salty, it would taste too salty for you. Hmm. Your taste buds will adjust to the amount of salt that you eat. Okay. So if you're eating a lot, you'll want more. But if you start eating less, it'll your food will taste too salty for a little while until you get used to it again, okay? I know that some cultures like Japanese, they eat up to 16 grams and wow. you don't you don't, <laughs> you don't see them always being hypertensive. And it, it, it depends if you're like salt sensitive. Well, there's a lot of other factors too. And remember now that the um, fast food chains have hit Japan and most of the 
most of the world, most of, definitely most of the Asian world, we're seeing a lot more high blood pressure in places where we never saw it before. Really bad. Um, so, so you, and of course, there's other factors there besides just the salt, but it does make a difference. So four grams a day is the average American. The goal is 2.4 grams for a normal blood pressure for a normal person. Okay. How much is that? Well, honestly... Um, if you get one package of ramen and you cook it up and put the seasoning in it, that's about 2.2 to 2.4 grams right there for the whole 24-hour period. Okay, I'm not suggesting you eat that. I'm just saying that if you have one of those, you're done for the day. All right, and of course, most of us are never done for the day with one, right? There's other things we want to eat. Um, for people who have high blood pressure, the recommendation is 2 grams, which is even less, and it's not much, okay? It's a very small amount of salt, and... Uh, then people who have congestive heart failure or kidney failure, they're down to one gram. It's very, very low. But the good news is if you cut back on salt, eventually you get used to it. You think it sounds terrible now, but you really get used to it. And when you try to eat salt for a while, it'll taste too salty after you've gotten used to it. I'm actually going to try that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and so I remember people used to always ask this question. Is there, do you have to have salt to survive? Well, there is a minimum amount of salt that you should have per day, and it's 0.25 grams, okay? So it's a quarter of a gram. It's very tiny, all right? So you can live with only that amount of, when I say salt, I mean sodium. So it could be sodium from another source. And don't forget, some foods that have monosodium glutinate, in addition to salt, are going to double your sodium load, okay? Um, so those are all things. I want to ask you some questions really quick here. I love this little quiz, all right? I'm not going to ask all, just a couple. So what do you think has more salt? Uh, a quarter cup of peanuts or a can of tomato soup? So it depends if the peanuts are salted, but I oh. think it's the canned tomato soup. It's still, the, even if they're salted, I should have said that. Even if your peanuts are salted, it's the canned tomato soup. To, soup has a lot of salt in it, okay? Here's another question. Which one has more salt, corn chips or corn flakes? Corn and, chips. And it's actually corn flakes. Oh, wow. Yeah, isn't that interesting? So it's one, and that's one cup each. So that's kind of interesting. Here's another one I, I thought was kind of fun. Um, potato chips, one small bag versus instant mashed potatoes, one cup. Which one has more salt? Now I'm following your logic. I will say the mashed potato. You got it. Okay. <laughs> and there's one more. I, I love this one too. French fries, one serving of French fries or ice cream, one serving of ice cream, soft serve. Ice cream has salt? Yeah. Did you know that? You can't taste it. It's too cold. You can't taste anything. In fact, they have to make it really sweet because your taste buds do not pick up sweet or salt flavor when it's too cold. Isn't that interesting? It is. So, it, of course, you taste it more when it's melting, but they make it really strong with sugar and there's salt in there. Isn't that interesting? And, of course, you use salt to make ice cream, right? So that's part of the process if you've ever made homemade ice cream. Anyway, no, so those tell. are some fun know. ones. <laughs> so what's happening is you've got salt mixed in the food, and you can't taste it as well, but it's there. The sodium is there. And so one of the things, there's different ways of cutting back on salt, but one of the things I have done is literally I put a little bit of salt on my food, but I never cook with it. I never mix it in my food. I shouldn't say never. There's a few times I do, but most of the time I don't. Um, and then I'm a little more likely to stop a little sooner, and that helps some. Um, and some people do the opposite for other reasons, but that's what I usually, of course, I don't, if you eat packaged food, then you're in trouble because you can't really help what's in it already. Yeah. But it tastes so good. Oh, but you can get, and I, I actually had this experience. I was in a wellness program. I helped with a wellness program in Maduro on the Marshall Islands, and we had a low salt diet because we had a lot of high blood pressure patients and people with heart problems. And after the end of about two weeks, I was flying back home and I ate something with one of my snacks, like a sesame stick or something. I'm like, oh, 
that is too salty because I'd gotten used to the, the lower salt diet. Yeah. Oh, wow. So it's kind of amazing how that happens. Um, yeah. So we'll go on in a few minutes to talking about a few other things, but I want to talk about the fun stuff too before we're done, okay? Oh, please do. Okay. <laughs> And that's 5.45. So we're on our last break of the day. Um, and following that, we'll only have about maybe 15 minutes left of today's show. So if you have a question, if you have a question, go ahead and give us a call. If you're calling from Guam, 671-472-1111. That's 671-472-1111. If you're calling from the CNMI, that's 670-323-1113. 670-323-1113. Send us a message via text, via WhatsApp, via signal at 671-686-9999. That's 671-686-9999. It's free from the CNMI. And if you're tuned in via Facebook, you can always leave a question or comment in the comment section below or send it to us via messenger and we'll get back to you. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after the break. You want to know what God wants you to do with your life, right? There's a plan, a purpose, a calling, right? God is pretty clear. He has a purpose and a plan for you. So, what is it? Get to know Him. Don't just stop with the belief that God loves, redeems, and forgives you. Read the Bible. Learn what it really says. Follow His lead. Obey His commands. Accept His words. You'll never know where to go if you don't really know who you're following. When you read the Bible, you begin to learn to tell truth from lies. Recognize what stacks up with God's Word and what doesn't and what you should be doing right now to be a part of God's plan. The Bible can take the guesswork out of God's plan for your life. Sure, it's easier just to hope God will somehow tell you, but he's already given you the best-selling book to help. Just pick it up. Your future is inside. Joy FM, family-friendly radio. JoyFMRadio.net And we're back with more Total Health. Give us a call with your medical questions. Number to call in Guam is 472-1111. If you're in the seat of mind, the number to call is 323-1113. Or you can text or WhatsApp us at 686-9999. Now back to the program. Hi and welcome back to Total Health Live. I'm in the studio today with Elena Tanava, nurse practitioner, and Dr. Julie Bryson. And we're talking about hypertension. We've only got about 10 minutes left of today's show, so we'll just jump right in. Okay, so we had a few more things to talk about. I don't want to spend too much more time on the don'ts. I want to talk about the do's. But one of the don'ts I do have to mention really quick is the caffeine issue. We've talked a little bit about alcohol. And I've, I've really found a lot of patients here seem to have higher blood pressures after they drink caffeine. The, the statistics in the States is something like one-third of patients will be sensitive to caffeine in such that it will bring their blood pressure up. Okay, but I think it's a little higher here. So I see that a lot, and I've had patients even tell me they notice a difference when they when they drink caffeine. So keep that in mind. It is a stimulant. It can bring the blood pressure up. 
So let's talk about some of the good stuff. Diet, I'm just going to go over briefly because we talk about diet on this show a lot. But a lot of the good things we talk about all help the blood pressure. Go ahead. Uh, Dr. Bryson, what about alcohol? Well, we mentioned that earlier, and alcohol definitely does raise your blood pressure. And, of course, the more you drink, um, the more trouble there is. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I, I yeah. have stopped patients from medications just by not having caffeine, not having alcohol. They yeah. normalize the blood yeah. pressure. They didn't even need medications. Makes a big difference. And I find for most people, cutting out the alcohol is a little easier than quitting smoking. So um, maybe, I don't know if caffeine's easier or not. I'm not sure. It depends on the person. Yeah, yeah they say so. if you stop the caffeine, it will be easier to stop alcohol or That's, cigarettes. They are triggers. That's right. So here's a few things about food real quick. The green leafy vegetables, the calcium um, in the green leafy vegetables actually can lower your blood pressure. Okay. There's substances in the green leafy vegetables that can actually help to dilate or open up those blood vessels, which is really neat. So the more green leafies you get, the better, and you should have some every day. The nitric oxide. Um, Oatmeal can lower your blood pressure. How do you like that? And it actually also, of course, helps cholesterol, but it does help the blood pressure. In general, that high fiber low-fat, plant-based diet, all the plants you can get, well, maybe not everything, but almost all the plants you can get to eat can really help not only the blood pressure, but so many other health problems like your heart, like cholesterol, um, like weight. It helps so many different things. Now, I want to move into some other stuff because I think these are some cool things. They may not work as well as some of the other things, but they definitely help. Um, Anybody ever hear of forest bathing? Going out in the trees, being around the plants. Uh, In Japan, they have something called forest bathing, and they have done research when people are in the forest that they've actually found significant decreases of blood pressure. And it's not just from relaxing. It actually is from chemicals that the trees and the plants give off, which is very interesting. And there's different chemicals that can actually help. They also help your immune system. So getting out in the trees, in nature, around the plants can make a big difference for your blood pressure and your health. So oh, that, wow. I think that's a fun one. I love that one because I, I love, love to be in the plants. Yeah, I think I, it's great. I, I believe so. And yeah. we have so many trees. Like you can hike in Guam in so many places. You can do that once a week or more more than that. And even if you have a few trees in your backyard, put a little mosquito repellent on. But you know, it's a little mosquito-y out there sometimes. Um, sleep is huge. Now, mm-hmm. the funny thing is we all like to sleep, but we all don't sleep it, because we get too busy and we feel we have too many other things to do and we get so much stimulation in our lives. But getting enough sleep makes a huge difference. And when my patient comes in and says, you know, I didn't sleep well last night, doc, and that's why my blood pressure is up. I believe that. That actually does happen. But not only that, but people who get chronically less sleep, people who sleep six hours a night have a much higher chance of having high blood pressure. People who have sleep apnea and have that snoring problem where they stop breathing several times a night definitely have higher blood pressure. In fact, that's a big cause of high blood pressure that we often ignore or miss. So that's really important. So getting your sleep seven to eight hours a night is super important for your blood pressure. Maybe almost as important as your weight. Almost, not quite. Um, Here's a really interesting one. Forgiveness. When we forgive people, we can lower our blood pressure over a period of time. It's not just a one-time thing. You forgive once and your blood pressure goes down for a few minutes. It's actually longer term. And there's been research where they've actually taught people about forgiveness skills, and they have them practice forgiveness for people that have harmed them and hurt them. And they actually lower their blood pressure. This is really important, I think. Uh, the, the attitudes and the, com- the communion we have with other people makes a difference. Even if we never see somebody for years and years who we just didn't like or they gave us a hard time, carrying that load around brings that blood pressure up. And being able to forgive it and release them from that connection really helps change our lives and helps our blood pressure. So that's a really good one. Um, 
there's one more here. Uh, there's actually a couple more. Um, I didn't write this in here, but singing oh. has been shown to lower blood pressure. So getting it, singing, just, not just listening to music, but singing actually can lower your blood pressure. It's been proved a number of times. Singing with a choir. Actually, the choir has better blood pressure. So it's really <laughs> cool. But any type of singing that people do can really help the blood pressure. I'm not sure that if you were getting really angry when you sang and you were singing an angry song, that might bring it up a little bit. But most of the time, singing actually helps. Yeah, because I understand when you're singing, we're actually turning off the part of the brain that it is about worrying. So you can't worry and sing at the same time. So you have to choose one or the other. There you go. So that's a really fun one, I think, for blood pressure. Who cares who hears you? Just belt it out. Enjoy it, okay? (laughs) Get a good song going. Um, Another one is deep breathing. Deep breathing can really help blood pressure if people can practice it. And that's where you're taking a really slow, deep breath, and you do that, and you kind of let it out, and you breathe about six or seven times in a minute, which is a really slow rate. Most people are breathing about 20 or more. But if you can do that, it really helps to lower that blood pressure, especially if you practice that several times a day. Um, Another one is laughter, although laughter is kind of a mixed picture. They've found that when people laugh, initially the blood pressure goes up. So don't laugh while you're getting your blood pressure checked at the clinic, okay? <laughs> but if you laugh and you have a happy attitude in general, that can bring your blood pressure down over time. It may go up at first, but then it comes down, and that's really good, okay? Um, so so the, there's one more I think is super, super important. I, again, I think these are all the fun ones. The things that we It's funny how we like to do things, and they're good for us, and yet we don't do them because we get so busy. The last one is prayer. They have actually shown blood pressures and pulses to go down when people pray, when they have a spiritual experience going on and they're actually praying. um, That actually changes your blood pressure. So these are some things that we can do on a daily basis that will actually help. Wow. I didn't know that you... Those things can be so practical. Like we go once a week at least to church and we sing and we pray. But uh, if we can do that on a daily basis... That will actually keep us in a very good shape. Try starting the morning with a little prayer and a song. Yes, why not? And maybe just before going to bed, too. It might even help you sleep a little better as possible. Yeah. Right. For those of us uh, that cannot sing very good, what do we do? <laughs> you know, again, like I said earlier, it doesn't matter how you sound. When I was younger, I, I can sing okay. I'm not a like upfront singer or anything. But I used to go to the beach at the ocean. Of course, this is in California where it's a little louder than it is here. And the waves are crashing down and I'd sing at the top of my lungs and nobody could hear me. And I loved it. Oh, you wow. can sing in the shower. You know, there's all sorts of things. But yeah, sing. I mean, do it. It's great. You can sing while you're driving in your car by yourself. It's a great time. So, uh, Dr. Bryson, uh, have you noticed if there is any relationship with a high blood pressure and depression or anxiety, like in general? Yes. And any of, of course, our mind and our body are very much connected. So when somebody has depression, they are more likely to have higher blood pressures, higher pulses. Um, they're more likely to have disease in general. The opposite is also true. If you have heart disease, and remember when we talk about blood pressure, it's a, but high blood pressure is simply a sign of the damage that's going on in your blood vessels usually, and that means there could be some heart disease. Those people also have more depression. If you get a heart attack, you're more likely to have depression afterwards, not because you're sad about being sick, but because it changes chemicals in your brain that make you feel differently and make you function differently. So what, what can we do so we can have peace, I would say, not to worry so much. Yeah, well, that's something that takes some practice and some learning and some experience because it's not like we can give a quick fix to make people stop worrying. I know that from experience. It takes time. 
But we start practicing some of these things. And the other good thing is if you make one good change, many times another good change will follow. If you make, if you do one good thing, the thing you know, think, well, I actually did that. I, I simply started singing every morning or whatever. I'm just giving an example of something that might be easy. I've started doing that and I feel a little different. Oh, and gratitude, getting your gratitude list out and writing down the things you're thankful for every day. I don't know if that can lower blood pressure. I'm not sure it's been researched, but I wouldn't be surprised. It kind of goes along with all these things we're talking about. Yeah. 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 It, it gives you those pleasure, you know, uh, Moments that uh, kind of uh, allows the vessels to relax, allows your bo- body to relax. And, and that's one thing we have to realize, too. Sometimes what we think of as relaxing is not truly relaxing. So what we feel is relaxing is not always, okay? And when we relax our muscles, it doesn't necessarily relax our blood vessels, okay? One of the things I find, for example, with people who smoke, this, and I think almost everybody who smokes will say this, well, I have to smoke because I'm stressed and I need to relax, and the truth is, when you smoke, you're stimulated, okay? And it actually makes, it's kind of like going on a fast ride at an amusement park. You feel good, but you're not relaxed. There's a difference. And so when you smoke, you feel good. You feel this relief because you feel good. But you're actually going up a little higher on your stress level to the point where it feels good. And then when you come back down to the normal stress, it feels bad. And you never really get down to relax. So the relax part is is it's kind of hard to obtain, but I think going through this process of changing how we live in general and of having some trust and of having close relationships, of forgiving people, of singing, of laughing, of doing all these wonderful things, getting enough sleep makes a huge difference, eating the right food, um, we slowly start to change our lives and our blood pressure can improve. Um, Dr. Bryson, I believe uh, you have some Bible verses to share with us that can bring us some peace and trust and relaxation of our vessels. I've got two here. The first one is in Proverbs 15, 15 to 17. And this isn't exactly talking about blood pressure, but it's pretty cool. All the days of the afflicted are bad, but a cheerful heart has a continual feast. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil with it. Better is a dish of vegetables where love is than a fattened ox served with hatred. And the other one is be anxious for nothing, but in everything and with prayer and thanksgiving and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. Philippians 4 verse 6. Thank you, Dr. Bryson. Thank you, Elena. And thank you most of all to our listeners. We just want to say thank you to everybody for tuning in. Um, for your for your support as well and uh, we'll see you again next week Wednesday don't um, you know don't go anywhere we've got Adventures in Odyssey coming up right after this and Total Health Live is on every Wednesday from 5pm to 6pm You're listening to KSDA 91.9 FM, Aga and Agania Heights, Guam, and KORU 89.9 FM, Garapan, Saipan. The time is now 6 o'clock.